All right, Avengers, thank you for assembling. It's time we take on the combined might of Thanos and Ultron. All right, who's... Wait a minute. Hold on. Guys, guys, where's Ant-Man? What do you mean, Cap? I, I mean, everyone's everyone's here but Ant-Man. It, it's... Well, what if Ant-Man's just too small and we can't see him? Yeah, that could be it. You're right, Tony. Uh, all right, Ant-Man, are you, all, are you here? If, you, if you're here, if you're here, be big. If you're here, be big. Okay, because we're about we gotta I gotta address you all before we do the mission, and I can't do it if you're uh if you're a tiny, tiny dot ant man. Okay, so so make yourself big. Okay, all right. Uh that didn't work. All right, everyone. You know the drill. Everybody check the bottom of your feet. Everybody look at the bottom of your feet. Hulk feet fine. Okay, Hulk, you still got to check. Fine. Okay, yep, Hulk's feet are clear. All right, Spider-Man's feet are clear. I came in on the ceiling, guys. I don't think I was going to step on him. That's fair. All right. All right, let's see here. Falcon's feet are clear. Bucky's feet are clear. All right, Guardians, show me your feet. Okay. All right, we've checked everyone's feet. You didn't. You didn't check Iron Man's. Tony, uh, can we look at the bottom of your boots? I don't think that's necessary. Tony, did you, did you step on Ant-Man? In all honesty, it's a very real possibility. It's a very real possibility. Well, I, you know, I'd, I'd rather not check. As long as I don't check, then, uh, then I haven't manslaughtered Ant-Man. Okay. Uh, is everyone else? Is everyone else cool with Tony having Schrodinger's uh, Schrodinger's boot? Not knowing if he's crushed Ant-Man? Yeah, no, I guess we're all okay with that. I mean, Tony is a rich, white, straight man. I guess we might as well let him get away with it. Okay, fair enough. All right, Avengers, assemble! Hello, and welcome back to Ruben and Cut. Today's episode, I'm talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Now, of course, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, is the latest in the Mar movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, as you may have heard, it's also one of the worst-reviewed Marvel movies, which means... Which really just adds fuel on my belief that movie critics don't understand superheroes whatsoever. Because frankly, because frankly, they're wrong. They are wrong about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. In fact, let me put it this way. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, might be the best Ant-Man movie. Now, the thing about that statement that you have to take with a grain of salt, though, is that uh, that's not an incredible statement. 
It uh, would not be hard for a movie to be the best Ant-Man movie because the Ant-Man movies are kind of mid. Well, that's not fair. They average out at mid because the first one is good. It's good. It's, it's, a, it's not... We were robbed of the Edgar Wright script version of that movie, and that sucks. But what we got was decent. Enough Edgar Wright charm made it into the final product for the film to be fun. Then you have Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second movie. Which is, frankly, I would rank it as the worst MCU movie. It's just a complete waste of time. It's just so dumb. And the overacting is nauseating. And one of the major plot lines exists for no reason. There's no reason for that movie to be two hours long. I mean, unless they wanted to put some real character development in it. <sighs> Ant-Man and the Wasp is the straight, it feels like a straight-to-video sequel that somehow got a theatrical release. Let's be clear, that's the second movie. Which, by the way, the critics love the second movie. Loved it. It's got great reviews. Which is insane, because it's trash. It is just straight up the hackiest piece of garbage in the MCU. It's just not good. It's bad jokes all over the place. It's a plot. It's a. It's an. It, it, the movie wastes Walter Goggins. Okay, like his character has no reason to exist. No reason. Oh yeah, the the unclearly defined technology part that they needed for their thing. Shut the fuck up. They didn't need that thing. That thing didn't need to exist. They didn't even define the thing. Ugh. Ugh, such a terrible movie. Huh. But that brings us to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which is the third movie. The movie that I said sucks, that's the second movie for anyone who's getting confused at this point. But the third one, the new one, Quantumania, is good. Is it great? Uh, I mean, on a scale of Ant-Man, it's pretty great. It certainly feels more significant than, uh, than Multiverse of Madness or Thor Love and Thunder. Movies I didn't hate. But it's definitely better than those movies. Uh, is, it, is it as good as Shang-Chi? Uh, no. No, it is not. Is it as good as Spider-Man? No Way Home? Well, no. No, it's not. Is it, is, it as, is it as good as The Eternals? I mean, I would argue that it isn't, but uh, I'm one of those weirdos who likes The Eternals. Oh, okay, I'm not going through all the Phase 4 movies. The point is, is that Quantumania is... It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And it's pretty good for a few reasons. Thing number one, it's easily one of the best set up, setups for a Marvel villain that I've ever seen. Kang is pretty great. And it's not even just Jonathan Majors, who is great in the movie. Don't get me wrong. He's fantastic. It's, it's 
everything about how they handle his character. Uh, he, it's, it is, it is nice to, it is nice to see a, <laughs> it's nice to see a villain in the Marvel universe who isn't just another person who has a reasonable complaint about society and then they, but they take it too far. He's not one of those. Who is Kang? Well, you know what? I'm going to save some of the Kang stuff for the spoiler section, which reminds me, I found out today, I found out the other day, Spotify is no longer paying me to put advertisements in my podcast. I'm probably still going to put an advertisement in the middle of this one, you know, just to, just to, uh, just to, you know, make sure there's, uh, something there. So, you know, you, so, you know, you're, uh, about to enter the spoiler section. Maybe I'll just have to say it. I don't know. But uh, I got to figure out other ways to make money, which they didn't pay me a lot. I've made like maybe $10 off that. <laughs> but, you know, every $10 helps. But uh, anyways, <clears throat> back to Quantum Mania. So that's one of the things that it does well. It sets up a really solid, intimidating villain. It's actually got a couple villains in it. It also features the incredibly oddball Marvel character who they said could never be done on film, Modoc. And does he? And uh, and uh, well, ha, ha, I don't I don't know how much I can say about Modoc uh, without going into the spoilers. Uh, and uh, but I will say it almost kind of works on film i would i wouldn't i wouldn't like say it's the best looking thing ever in fact actually arguably one of the complaints that has to be levied at ant-man and the wasp quantumania is that uh the cgi uh aged poorly before the opening credits had even finished uh it's the movie looks fine at points, but it certainly doesn't help that it came out after, you know, Avatar Way of the Water. I mean, thankfully, Quantumania doesn't try any bullshit with adjusting its frame rate for no good reason. But uh, it's uh, it, the CGI is definitely, you know, behind that movie. And that movie came out first. It also doesn't help that uh, the film seems to derivatively draw uh, a lot of inspiration from things like Go Star Wars and Man of Steel's op Krypton opening. Uh, both, both movies that also look better. Uh, so, so that's a thing. Um, fortunately, there, there's a lot of nice practical effects in the movie. Um, which gives it a little bit more of that Star Wars vibe, although it, it it is this is probably still the most green screen that's ever been in a Marvel movie. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to. Has anyone tried to measure that? But there's uh, there's a lot of green screen in this movie. The costumes look real though, which is pretty cool. So so yeah, the CGI is. Uh, 
well, it it doesn't look as good as Avatar, and actually, it doesn't even look as good as a movie from 2013. But to be fair, that movie from 2013 has been looking better than a lot of movies uh, for a lot of years at, that came out after it. I'm talking about Men of Steel here. You can't deny that CGI still looking good. Blew my mind last time I watched. I was like, damn, CGI doesn't normally age this well. But anyways, back to Quantum Mania. All right, so we got the CGI complaint out of the out of the way. So what's what's the deal with Quantum Mania's story? Okay, so Quantum Mania's story basically uh, works kind of like this to give you a taste of it without spoiling it, with while avoiding as much of spoilers as I can. So the movie. Starts out, we got Scott Lang, the Ant-Man. And he's, of course, played by Paul Rudd. And Scott Lang is kind of, you know, he's just kind of, you know, doofus Scott Lang, ex-con. And he's wandered, now he's wandered through life, uh, contemplating his own fame and fortune now that he's an Avenger who helped save the world. Well, at the same time, he's trying to deal with uh, with his girl with, with his daughter growing up. Uh, Catherine Newton as Cass- as Cassandra Lang or Cassie, as they call her in the movie. In fact, I'd completely forgotten her name was stood for Cassandra. Thanks, Google. Is uh, well, she's growing up, and he's torn because what he really wants is for her to have a chance to have a normal life, even though it's way too late for that. And she is growing up to essentially aspire to, whether he likes it or not, be like dad. She's got her own ant suit and her own pim particles. Doesn't have a name yet, though. They haven't given her a name. She's not like ant girl or anything yet. So what's uh what's up with that movie? What's up with that? But she's also getting into trouble and whatnot. The the politics of the movie are interesting because basically, uh, if I had to describe the politics of the movie, you got you got Hope over here, uh, played by uh, Evangeline Lilly, and Hope, you know, Hope is a rich person's version of a progressive. Like the film talks about how she's using PIM particles to make the world a better place, which, you know, okay, thanks, you wealthy entrepreneur, Republican, progressive Republican. That's what that sounds like to me. But at the same time, you got Catherine Newton, who is, uh, as Cassie, is doing stuff like trying to stop the police from, uh, from raiding homeless homeless encampments without warning good for her so she's pretty progressive and then you got paul rudd's character who's like you know an apolitical doofus that's how i would describe him that's how he comes off apolitical doofus and then you got michael douglas as hank pym who is uh who's a socialist and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jennifer Dine, 
who's a traumatized ex-terrorist. Yep. Nope. That's that's what I called it. That might have actually been a little bit of a spoiler, but let's get into the story. So anyways, Scott's struggling with his daughter being all rebellious, and he's afraid she's going to end up in jail like he did. And he, and he seems to have trouble seeing that what she's really trying to be is like the per version of him that helps save the world. He doesn't seem to get that. Because, you know, he missed out on his daughter's childhood, which is, a, which is a tough thing to deal with as a parent. And uh, he's, he's having trouble accepting, accepting that fact. But so, so basically, Cassie and, and Hank, Michael Douglas's character, the original Ant-Man, they've, they've, uh, they've gone, they've come up with a way to, to send a sonar message essentially into the, uh, into the quantum realm so that they can map the quantum realm which freaks out Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Janet Van Dyne, who used to be in the quantum, who used to live in the quantum realm. And she told them it was uninhabited. Well, this movie shows that that was a lie. And in fact, the major conceit, and actually kind of what makes Michelle Pfeiffer the most interesting character in the movie, is, uh, is that her character basically fills in an interesting character position which is that her character essentially becomes a combination of uh, essentially, like I said, uh, traumatized veteran and also uh, white savior. Uh, part John Wick, part white savior. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, essentially, essentially her character almost fulfills a handful of the, the aspects of the, uh, of the white savior character trope Except I guess the more proper term in this situation would be macro savior, because she's from the macroverse, and now she's in the microverse. Coming to save the microverse people from uh, another invading ma macroverse person, that being Kang. The whole deal is that she's got a secret history with Kang and with the microverse, and she's been lying to about everybody. Now they're all stuck in the microverse because Kang, Kang, Kang needs them to escape and also to punish. So there's a lot of great stuff going on with Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie. And when I say she's a little John Wick in this movie, what I mean is this is a lot of the movie of them going places and characters already knowing her and her already having a reputation whenever her name comes up, which is a big thing in the in the first John Wick movie. And of course they go there and they meet a lot of fun microverse people. I don't want to spoil any of those, any of those characters, but they're, they're fun. They're fun characters. And so the things that work about this movie is that the family ensemble works. And in fact, I would argue that this movie should have been called Ant-Man and the Wasps, you know, I, or the, or the, or Ant family quantum mania you know because the major focus of the film is on you got the two ant-men hank and michael douglas's character oh no that is michael douglas's character my bad uh hank and scott got the ant-man and michael douglas is way more in on the action in this movie like michael douglas is a lot of fun in this movie i'm not gonna lie and actually 
he gets one truly badass Ant-Man moment um, in the film. To- wait, uh, like it's one of the it's one of my favorite moments in the film actually is for him. And I was like, damn, they made Hank Pym cool in the movie. They finally redeemed him for years of being the biggest douchebag character in comic books. Then you got Michelle, like I said, Michelle Pfeiffer's character is crazy interesting. And there's a great chemistry between uh, Paul Rudd and Catherine Newton's characters. They do a really good job of illustrating their relationship. Also, no, like I said, no spoilers, but Bill Murray has a cameo and it works. Another thing that's great about this movie is all the annoying side characters from uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second movie, hardly in it at all. If at all, I, I, I David Dasmalchin's name is in the credits. I, I don't know where he was in the movie. Maybe he played a microverse character instead. Michael Pena is also listed on Google, although I don't remember seeing his name in the actual credits of the movie. Maybe they had secret cameos as microversers. I don't know. But uh, I was really grateful that uh, their characters were in the movie because honestly, uh, but there's one thing the second movie told me about their characters, which was they'd run out of steam before the first movie was over. Randall Park's character is also in it, but not in an intrusive, annoying way. So, Ruben, before you get into any type of spoilers, what, what else can you tell us or say about the movie? What else did you like or not like? Well, thought most of the action was pretty good. And I thought most of the humor worked. I definitely appreciate it. The movie just has more weight to it than Ant-Man and the Wasp. The second movie just doesn't have any weight. It doesn't feel important. It doesn't have anything interesting going on. Its best action sequence has no value to the story. However, this movie has its moments. There are some pretty good payoffs in terms of action and adventure that happen in this movie. And I was very, and I was pleased with all of them. And I think that the family character dynamic of the Ant family, I'm still gonna, I still think this movie should have been called Ant Family, Quantumania. There, I'm just, I'm gonna say that. It's really, kept me invested in the movie. Now, you can say they didn't have that compelling of arcs to their characters. I mean, Scott and his daughter have their thing, and that's good, but it's not huge. Arguably, Michelle Pfeiffer and, and Evangeline Lilly's characters have their thing, where, of course, we are Oh, David Desmalsian was Veb. Wait, which of them was Veb? I'm going to have to look that up now. I don't remember which of the microverses was named Veb. So that's, that's really where, the, where one of the strengths of the movie is. The other strength being is just Kang is awesome. Like the film does a great job of setting him up and, and the coming conflict with him. The idea of this multiversal time traveler is pretty dope. And I have a huge, I have a huge film fan theory about 
what I think is happening in the Marvel Universe that that I'll, I'll say for the spoiler section. Because it, it will have some spoilers for this movie. Well, anyways. So, like I said, in exchange for having more of a, more of a, like, uh, ensemble cast thing going on, there isn't as much of, like, a character arc for any of the, any of the characters. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have some character development. There's some form momentum. I guess you could say they're, like, little mini arcs for these characters. And, of course, the, and of course, it does tie into Ant-Man's journey throughout the movies. And in this movie, it really feels like his relationship with his daughter matters. Um, they still haven't addressed, like, how incredibly selfish and dumb it was for him to go off in Captain America's Civil War to, to help with Captain America, to basically become a criminal helping Captain America and fucking up his, you know, Cena's daughter. But in this movie, you can believe that he cares about her. There are some fun microverse characters, but they they have if there's anything that has to be noted is that the film has got some pretty, you know, derivative vibes. Like you really feel the Star Wars influences in this film. Like they come in pretty hard. And like I said, there are also moments where I was like, well, this. This makes me think of the Krypton segment from Man of Steel, but the CGI is not as good. And you sort of get those vibes uh, throughout the film. But overall, I do think it's a good time. And I do think he's actually one of the better of the, of the new saga that we're looking at right now. Or at least better than some of the movies that have come out this, uh, this round. And uh, the beginning, if this is the beginning of, I forget if this is the beginning of phase five, I think that's what it is, or the end of phase four. But either way, it's, uh, it's not bad. It's a good time. I recommend Ant-Man and the Wasp. So now here, before we go to spoilers, I'm just going to say, uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, please make sure you like and subscribe wherever you're listening to it. Um, Send notifications, whatever you need to do to, you know, show that you appreciate the podcast and whatever platform you're on. If you listen to it on Spotify, you can help get my numbers up there so that hopefully one day they will give me money again. Also on Spotify, please check me out in the chat, the Inclusive Chatter Network show, uh, the Joe Newsom show. You can find that here on Spotify as well. That is a fictional podcast being produced by the Center for Applied Drama and Autism, where we will highlight various performers uh, with neurodiverse uh, backgrounds. All right. Next up, L Spoilers. All right, Avengers, thank you for assembling. It's time we take on the combined might of Thanos and Ultron. All right, who's... Wait a minute. Hold on. Guys, guys, where's Ant-Man? What do you mean, Cap? I, I mean, everyone's everyone's here but Ant-Man. It, it's... Well, what if Ant-Man's just too small and we can't see him? Yeah, that could be it. 
You're right, Tony. Uh, all right, Amman, are you out? Are you here? If you, if you're here, if you're here, be big. If you're here, be big. Okay, because we're about we gotta I gotta address you all before we do the mission, and I can't do it if you're uh if you're a tiny tiny dot, Amman. Okay, so so make yourself big. Okay, all right. Uh, that didn't work. All right, everyone. You know the drill. Everybody check the bottom of your feet. Everybody look at the bottom of your feet. Hulk feet, fine. Okay, Hulk, you still got to check. Fine. Okay, yep, Hulk's feet are clear. All right, Spider-Man's feet are clear. I came in on the ceiling, guys. I don't think I was going to step on him. That's fair. All right. All right, let's see here. Falcon's feet are clear. Bucky's feet are clear. All right, Guardians, show me your feet. Okay. All right, we've checked everyone's feet. You didn't you didn't check Iron Man's. Tony, uh can we look at the bottom of your boots? I don't think that's necessary. Tony, did you did you step on Ant-Man? I in all honesty, it's a very real possibility. It's a very real possibility. Well, I you know, I'd I'd rather not check. As long as I don't check, then uh then I haven't manslaughtered Ant-Man. Okay. Uh, is everyone else? Is everyone else cool with Tony having Schrodinger's uh, Schrodinger's boot? Not knowing if he's crushed Ant-Man. Yeah, no, I guess we're all okay with that. I mean, Tony is a rich white straight man. I guess we might as well let him get away with it. Okay, fair enough. All right, Avengers assemble. Oh, welcome to the show. Hello, and welcome back to Ruben and Cut. Today's episode, I'm talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Now, of course, Ant-Man the Wasp, Quantum Media, is the latest in the Mar movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, if you may have heard, it's also one of the worst-reviewed Marvel movies, which means, which really just adds fuel on my belief that movie critics don't understand superheroes whatsoever because frankly because frankly they're wrong they are wrong about ant-man and the wasp quantum mania in fact let me put it this way ant-man and the wasp quantum mania might be the best ant-man movie now, the thing about that statement that you have to take with a grain of salt, though, is that uh, that's not an incredible statement. It uh, would not be hard for a movie to be the best Ant-Man movie because the Ant-Man movies are kind of mid. Well, that's not fair. They average out at mid because the first one is good. It's good. It's, it's, a, it's not... We were robbed of the Edgar Wright script version of that movie. 
and that sucks. But what we got was decent. Enough Edgar Wright charm made it into the final product for the film to be fun. Then you have Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second movie. Which is, frankly, I would rank it as the worst MCU movie. It's just a complete waste of time. It's just so dumb. And the overacting is nauseating. And one of the major plot lines exists for no reason. There's no reason for that movie to be two hours long. I mean, unless they wanted to put some real character development in it. <sighs> Ant-Man and the Wasp is the straight, it feels like a straight-to-video sequel that somehow got a theatrical release. Let's be clear, that's the second movie. Which, by the way, the critics loved the second movie. Loved it. It's got great reviews. Which is insane because it's trash. It is just straight up the hackiest piece of garbage in the MCU. It's just not good. It's bad jokes all over the place. It's a plot. It's a, it's an, it, it, the movie wastes Walter Goggins, okay? Like his character has no reason to exist. No reason. Oh yeah, the, the unclearly defined technology part that they needed for their thing. Shut the fuck up. They didn't need that thing. That thing didn't need to exist. They didn't even define the thing. Ugh. Ugh, such a terrible movie. Ah. But that brings us to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which is the third movie. The movie that I said sucks, that's the second movie for anyone who's getting confused at this point. But the third one, the new one, Quantumania, is good. Is it great? Uh, I mean, on a scale of Ant-Man, it's pretty great. It certainly feels more significant than... Uh, than Multiverse of Madness or Thor, Love and Thunder. Movies I didn't hate. But it's definitely better than those movies. Uh, is, it, is it as good as Shang-Chi? Uh, no, no, it is not. Is it as good as Spider-Man? No Way Home? Well, no, no, it's not. Is it, is it, as, is it as good as The Eternals? I mean, I would argue that it isn't. But uh, I'm one of those weirdos who likes the Eternals. Oh, okay. I'm not going through all the Phase Four movies. The point is, is that Quantum Mania is it's it's pretty good. It's pretty good, and it's pretty good for a few reasons. Thing number one, it's easily one of the best setup setups for a Marvel villain that I've ever seen. Kang is pretty great. And it's not even just Jonathan Majors, who is great in the movie. Don't get me wrong. He's fantastic. It's, it's everything about how they handle his character. Uh, he, it's, it, is, it, is nice to, it is nice to see a... <laughs> it's nice to see a villain in the Marvel Universe who isn't just another 
person who has a reasonable complaint about society and then they but they take it too far he's not one of those who is kang well you know what i'm gonna save some of the kang stuff for the spoiler section which reminds me i found out today i found out the other day spotify is no longer paying me to put advertisements in my podcast i'm probably still gonna put an advertisement in the middle of this one you know just to just to uh just to, you know, make sure there's uh, something there so you know, you, so you know you're uh, about to enter the spoiler section. Maybe I'll just have to say it. I don't know. But uh, I got to figure out other ways to make money, which they didn't pay me a lot. I've made like maybe $10 off that. <laughs> but, you know, every $10 helps. But uh, anyways, <clears throat> back to Quantum Mania. So that's one of the things that it does well. It sets up a really solid, intimidating villain. It's actually got a couple villains in it. It also features the incredibly oddball Marvel character who they said could never be done on film, Modoc. And does he? And uh, and uh, well, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how much I can say about Modoc uh, without going into the spoilers uh and uh, but i will say it almost kind of works on film i, w- I wouldn't i wouldn't like say it's the best looking thing ever in fact actually arguably one of the complaints that has to be levied at ant-man and the wasp quantumania is that uh the cgi uh, aged poorly before the opening credits had even finished. Uh, it's the movie looks fine at points, but it certainly doesn't help that it came out after you know Avatar: Way of the Water. I mean, thankfully, Quantum Mania doesn't try any bullshit with adjusting its frame rate for no good reason. But uh, it's uh, it, the CGI is definitely you know behind that movie and that movie came out first it also doesn't help that uh the film seems to derivatively draw uh a lot of inspiration from things like go star wars and man of steel's krypton opening uh both both movies that also look better uh so so that's a thing um Fortunately, there, there's a lot of nice practical effects in the movie, um, which gives it a little bit more of that Star Wars vibe. Although it, it, it is, this is probably still the most green screen that's ever been in a Marvel movie. I mean, I don't know. I'd have to. Has anyone tried to measure that? But there's, uh, there's a lot of green screen in this movie. The costumes look real though, which is pretty cool. So, so yeah, the CGI is, uh, well, it, it doesn't look as good as Avatar, and actually it doesn't even look as good as a movie from 2013. But to be fair, that movie from 2013 has been looking better than a lot of movies uh, for a lot of years at, that came out after it. I'm talking about Men of Steel here. You can't deny that CGI still looking good. 
blew my mind last time I watched. I was like, damn, CGI doesn't normally age this well. But anyways, back to Quantum Mania. All right, so we got the CGI complaint out of the out of the way. So what's what's the deal with Quantum Mania's story? Okay, so Quantum Mania's story basically uh, works kind of like this to give you a taste of it without spoiling any, with while avoiding as much of spoilers as I can. So the movie starts out. We got Scott Lang, the Ant-Man. And he's, of course, played by Paul Rudd. And Scott Lang is kind of, you know, he's just kind of, you know, doofus Scott Lang, ex-con. And he's wandered, now he's wandered through life, uh, contemplating his own fame and fortune now that he's an Avenger who helped save the world. Well, at the same time, he's trying to deal with uh, with his girl with, with his daughter growing up. Uh, Catherine Newton as Cass- as Cassandra Lang or Cassie, as they call her in the movie. In fact, I'd completely forgotten her name was stood for Cassandra. Thanks, Google. Is uh, well, she's growing up, and he's torn because what he really wants is for her to have a chance to have a normal life, even though it's way too late for that. And she is growing up to essentially aspire to whether he likes it or not, be like dad. She's got her own ant suit and her own pim particles. Doesn't have a name yet, though. They haven't given her a name. She's not like Ant Girl or anything yet. So what's uh what's up with that movie? What's up with that? But she's also getting into trouble and whatnot. The the politics of the movie are interesting because basically, uh, if I had to describe the politics of the movie, you got you got Hope over here, uh, played by uh, Evangeline Lilly, and Hope. You know, Hope is a rich person's version of a progressive. Like the film talks about how she's using PIM particles to make the world a better place, which you know, okay. Thanks, you wealthy entrepreneur, Republican, progressive Republican. That's what that sounds like to me. But at the same time, you got Catherine Newton, who is, uh, as Cassie, is doing stuff like trying to stop the police from uh, from raiding homeless, homeless encampments without warning. Good for her. So she's pretty progressive. And then you got Paul Rudd's character, who's like, you know, an apolitical doofus. That's how I would describe him. That's how he comes off. Apolitical doofus. And then you got Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, who is a, who's a socialist. And uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jennifer Dine, who's a traumatized ex-terrorist. Yep, nope, that's that's what I called it. That might have actually been a little bit of a spoiler, but let's get into the story. So anyways, Scott's struggling with his daughter being all rebellious, and he's afraid she's going to end up in jail like he did. And he, and he seems to have trouble seeing that what she's really trying to be 
it's like the per version of him that helped save the world. He doesn't seem to get that. Because, you know, he missed out on his daughter's childhood, which is, a, which is a tough thing to deal with as a parent. And uh, he's, he's having trouble accepting, accepting that fact. But so, so basically, Cassie and, and Hank, Michael Douglas's character, the original Ant-Man, they've, they've, uh, they've gone, they've come up with a way to, to send a sonar message essentially into the, uh, into the quantum realm so that they, they can map the quantum realm, which freaks out Michelle Pfeiffer's character, Janet Van Dyne, who used to be in the quantum, who used to live in the quantum realm, and she told them it was uninhabited. Well, this movie shows that that was a lie. And in fact, the major conceit, and actually kind of what makes Michelle Pfeiffer the most interesting character in the movie, is, uh, is that her character basically fills in an interesting character position, which is that her character essentially becomes a combination of uh, essentially, like I said, a traumatized veteran and also uh, white savior, <laughs> part John Wick, part white savior. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, essentially, essentially, she, her character almost fulfills a handful of the the aspects of the uh, of the white savior character trope. Except, I guess the more proper term in this situation would be macro savior, because she's from the macroverse. And now she's in the microverse. Coming to save the microverse people from uh, another invading ma macroverse person. That being Kang. The whole deal is that she's got a secret history with Kang and with the microverse. She's been lying to about everybody. And now they're all stuck in the microverse because Kang, Kang, Kang needs them to escape. And also to punish. So there's a lot of great stuff going on with Michelle Pfeiffer in this movie. And when I say she's a little John Wick in this movie, what I mean is this is a lot of the movie of them going places and characters already knowing her and her already having a reputation whenever her name comes up. Which is a big thing in the, in the first John Wick movie. And of course, they go there and they meet a lot of fun microverse people. I don't want to spoil any of those people any of those characters but they're they're fun they're fun characters and so the things that work about this movie is that the family ensemble works and in fact i would argue that this movie should have been called ant-man and the wasps you know i or the or the or ant family quantum mania you know because the major focus of the film is on you got the two ant-men hank and Michael Douglas's character, oh no, that is Michael Douglas's character, my bad. Uh, Hank and Scott got the Ant-Man, and H Michael Douglas is way more in on the action in this movie. Like, Michael Douglas is a lot of fun in this movie, I'm not going to lie. And actually, he gets one truly badass Ant-Man moment um, in the film. To uh, like, it's one, of the, it's one of my favorite moments in the film, actually, is for him. And I was like, damn. They made Hank Pym cool in the movie. 
They finally redeemed him for years of being the biggest douchebag character in comic books. Then you got Michelle, like I said, Michelle Pfeiffer's character is crazy interesting. And there's a great chemistry between uh, Paul Rudd and Catherine Newton's characters. They do a really good job of illustrating their relationship. Also, no, like I said, no spoilers, but Bill Murray has a cameo and it works. Another thing that's great about this movie is all the annoying side characters from uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, the second movie, hardly in it at all, if at all. I, 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 David Dasmalchin's name is in the credits. I, I don't know where he was in the movie. Maybe he played a Microverse character instead. Michael Pena is also listed on Google, although I don't remember seeing his name in the actual credits of the movie. Maybe they had secret cameos as Microversers. I don't know. But uh, I was really grateful that uh, their characters were in the movie because honestly, uh, if there's one thing the second movie told me about their characters, which was they'd run out of steam before the first movie was over. Randall Park's character is also in it, but not in an intrusive, annoying way. So Ruben, before you get into any type of spoilers, what, what else can you tell us or say about the movie? What else did you like or not like? Well, I thought most of the action was pretty good. And I thought most of the humor worked. I definitely appreciate it. The movie just has more weight to it than Ant-Man and the Wasp. The second movie just doesn't have any weight. It doesn't feel important. It doesn't have anything interesting going on. Its best action sequence has no value to the story. However, this movie has its moments. There are some pretty good payoffs in terms of action and adventure that happen in this movie. And I was very, and I was pleased with all of them. And I think that the family character dynamic of the Ant family, I'm still gonna, I still think this movie should have been called Ant Family, Quantumania, there, I'm just, I'm gonna say that. It's really, I, kept me invested in the movie. Now, you can say they didn't have that compelling of arcs to their characters. I mean, Scott and his daughter have their thing, and that's good, but it's not huge. Arguably, Michelle Pfeiffer and, uh, and Evangeline Lilly's characters have their thing, where, of course, we are. Oh, David Desmalsian was Veb. Wait, which of them was Veb? I'm going to have to look that up now. I don't remember which of the microverses was named Veb. So that's, that's really where, the, where one of the strengths of the movie is. The other strength being is just Kang is awesome. Like the film does a great job of setting him up and, and the coming conflict with him. The idea of this multiversal time traveler is pretty dope. And I have a huge, I have a huge film fan theory about what I think is happening in the Marvel Universe that, that I'll save for the spoiler section because it, it will have some spoilers for this movie. <clears throat> but anyways, 
So like I said, in exchange for having more of a more of a like uh, ensemble cast thing going on, there isn't as much of like a character arc for any of the any of the characters. I mean, don't get me wrong; they have some character development, there's some form momentum. I guess you could say they're like little mini arcs for these characters, and of course they. And of course, it does tie into Ant-Man's journey throughout the movies. And in this movie, it really feels like his relationship with his daughter matters. Um, they still haven't addressed like how incredibly selfish and dumb it was for him to go off in Captain America's Civil War to, to help with Captain America, to basically become a criminal helping Captain America and fucking up his, you know, Cena's daughter. But in this movie, you can believe that he cares about her. There are some fun microverse characters, but they they have, if there's anything that has to be noted is that the film has got some pretty, you know, derivative vibes. Like, you really feel the Star Wars influences in this film. Like, they come in pretty hard. And like I said, there are also moments where I was like, well, this... This makes me think of the Krypton segment from Man of Steel, but the CGI is not as good. And you sort of get those vibes uh, throughout the film. But overall, I do think it's a good time. And I do think it's actually one of the better of the, of the new saga that we're looking at right now. Or at least better than some of the movies that have come out this, uh, this round. And uh, the beginning, if this is the beginning of, I forget if this is the beginning of phase five, I think that's what it is, or the end of phase four. But either way, it's, uh, it's not bad. It's a good time. I recommend Ant-Man and the Wasp. So now here, before we go to spoilers, I'm just going to say, uh, if you're enjoying this podcast, please make sure you like and subscribe wherever you're listening to it. Um, Send notifications, whatever you need to do to, you know, show that you appreciate the podcast and whatever platform you're on. If you listen to it on Spotify, you can help get my numbers up there so that hopefully one day they will give me money again. Also on Spotify, please check me out in the chat, the Inclusive Chatter Network show, uh, the Joe Newsom show. You can find that here on Spotify as well. That is a fictional podcast being produced by the Center for Applied Drama and Autism, where we will highlight various performers uh, with neurodiverse uh, backgrounds. All right. Next up, El Spoilers.